Hi everyone, I'm Hector Garcia, and I'm a certified public accountant. And exactly 15 years ago to date, I started my own bookkeeping business from scratch without any specific certifications, any real working knowledge of the industry, really, um, and no formal education in accounting or bookkeeping. Now, it wasn't easy, so I definitely don't going to sell you the dream, but uh, there's a couple of things I learned along the way that I wish I would have known right from the beginning, and I think it would have helped me kickstart my career much smoother, quicker, faster, all that stuff. Now, towards the end of the video, I will discuss my journey. So I kind of walk you through like what was happening in my life, what made me make the decision, how I got started, how I marketed myself, et cetera, et cetera, up to today. But in this particular video, the core of the content I wanted to cover is to help you that are just getting started with your bookkeeping journey, figure out what is it that you should be looking into doing in order to have the most successful bookkeeping career possible. Now, we're going to break this down into five sections or five um, specific topics. First topic we're going to discuss is education. What kind of education should you seek out to get? Formal education, non-formal education, that sort of thing. The second part is going to be certifications. Like, do you need to pass an exam? Do you need to have a diploma or a certification of any sort to prove that you know the topic or you know how to do the work? Three, we'll talk about personality and mindset. Uh, the accounting and bookkeeping world is not for everyone. So we'll discuss what kind of uh, things have to go through your head and through your heart in order for you to feel that this career is uh, going to give you life satisfaction and intellectual satisfaction. Uh, four, we're going to talk about how to make a living. So we'll discuss both uh, what, what does a job path look like in terms of like working for a business or working for an accounting firm. And what should that progression be? Or two, if you are going to start your own accounting bookkeeping business like I did, what can that look like in terms of how can you earn a decent living being a bookkeeper, uh, an accounting professional bookkeeper? Okay, let's start with education. Specifically, when it comes to bookkeeping, there isn't a formal, uh, well-known, nationally recognized accounting degree for bookkeepers or bookkeeping degree per se. Now, I think the easiest thing to think about when it comes to education is having a bachelor's degree in accounting, that's going to be sufficient. That's, that's your bare minimum that you can have in order to at least call yourself an accountant by profession. Now, it gets kind of tricky um, in different states in the United States. You cannot call yourself an accountant commercially if you're not actually a certified public accountant. So it does get tricky in a state-by-state basis, but I think in most states in the United States, people call themselves accountant because they have an accounting degree or because they do the functions of an accounting. So I would say that probably the most the most valuable formal education path you can take is to actually get a four-year uh, college university degree in accounting. Now, an alternative to that uh, could be getting a sort of a technical school a graduate certificate or, or, or certificate or um, diploma. Like they'll have different names that not, not actually a bachelor's degree. And different universities call it certificate in accounting or certificate in foundations of accounting or diploma in accounting or diploma in accounting technology. And these are typically one-year, two-year type programs. Uh, these could cost anywhere between $5,000 and $10,000 
which are going to be much more affordable than a four-year degree, which is probably going to be $30,000, $50,000. So that would be the second alternative when it comes to sort of formal education. So you got a four-year degree or maybe like a one- or two-year technical diploma. Now, I don't think the degree itself um, is the one that's going to help you get you a job or the one that's going to help you get customers, especially if you are um, an entrepreneur and you start your own bookkeeping business. I think your actual knowledge and understanding of bookkeeping is the one that's going to get you there. Uh, but certainly it helps to have uh, the formal education. Now, if you want to skip the uh, traditional college or university uh, degrees, there are some interesting uh, sort of semi-private certification programs you can get out there. One of it is called the American Institute of Professional Bookkeepers. It's a self-study course per se. You buy a whole bunch of books for about $500 and then you read all the books and then uh, there are some practice tests and quizzes you can take along the way. And then you go get a, uh, you can do a proctor exam, which will get you a certificate. It's called a certified bookkeeper. Something you can, you can hang on the wall, something you can put in your email uh, signature, you can put in your resume, whatever. We'll talk more about certifications a little bit later on, but that type of education is a self-study. Now, something else you can look at, you can look at Coursera. Coursera and similar websites, and Coursera is not the only one. Uh, you also have LinkedIn Learning and those type of websites where you can take sort of mini courses in accounting, in finance, and in some cases in bookkeeping. Again, bookkeeping is sort of a substrate of accounting, which makes it very difficult to find like specific um, certificates or 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 education that's only around the act of bookkeeping, which is slightly different than accounting. It's sort of like a bookkeeper to an accountant is like a paralegal to a lawyer, or a bookkeeper to an accountant would be like a nurse or a nurse practitioner uh, to a doctor, that, that sort of thing, you know, like a, maybe um, a helper and a journeyman or a general contractor and maybe a, a different type of like specialty contractor. So. Um, obviously, the, the accountant or and certified public accountant are going to be the highest uh, sort of titles and certifications that you can get, and bookkeepers going to be right under that. And in many cases, in my experience, especially before I got certified, the bookkeeper does a lot more work, and uh, in some cases, more important work, and know a lot more about the specific intricacies of the business and the accounting uh, of the business that a typical CPA that maybe only does taxes and that sort of thing uh, knows, just because they're they're more sort of uh, inside of the books of their of their clients or their employers every day, so they typically hold the keys to all the financial knowledge out there. So I'm not in any way, uh, shape, or form putting down the role and the importance of the bookkeeper. I, I'm just saying that when it comes to formal education, typically the bookkeepers have a little bit less education that someone that would call themselves an accountant or would go the path of becoming a certified public accountant. Now, there are tons of uh, services and websites out there that promise uh, to teach you how to do bookkeeping. And there, there's tons of them. And generally, I'm not going to say that there's one that's particularly good or one that is particularly bad. Uh, it's difficult to endorse one because there's so many out there. And none of them really get you into a formal certification, which is what most people want. Most people want that proof, right? Like that, that paper that says and shows your employer or your customers, hey, I know my stuff. So you might want to be careful with some of these uh, programs that give you a certificate or a certification. 
but they're essentially not nationally recognized certifications. So anybody can give you a certificate of completion. Like for example, I, I used to teach QuickBooks uh, down here in my office all the time, almost every weekend, a couple of years ago. And after we're done with uh, teaching that course, I would give people a certificate of completion. Now a certificate of completion of a course is not the same thing as a certification. And a certification that's handed by any random company versus a certification that is that is that has national and sometimes international recognition, there's a big difference between them. Like a certified public accountant, it's a certification that's also actually controlled by the government. It's a license. It's a licensure. So it's both a certification and a license. And uh, obviously that's why it has much higher standards. So you want to be careful with uh, the companies and education programs that call their systems a certification uh, because Unfortunately, most of them are not nationally recognized. Now, I mentioned earlier the the American Institute of Public Bookkeepers, uh, AIPB. Yeah. So, American Institute of of, of of Bookkeepers, they actually have a trademarked certification called Certified Bookkeeper CB. And if anybody calls themselves a certified bookkeeper and it didn't go through the actual exam process that the AIPB has. They will send you a cease and desist letter. I've seen it with tons of my colleagues through the years. Uh, so there is not necessarily national recognition, but there's at least brand protection. So that's what I've liked the most about that specific organization, the, the IPB, when it comes to like, you know, this, not an official certification, but it's the, probably the most nationally recognized and protected type of uh, certification. So let's uh, move to certifications so we can kind of make the shift from education to certification. So as I mentioned earlier, certified public accountant state licensure, that would be the highest. Uh, I don't think there's any states that have any sort of uh, licenses for accounting work beyond that CPA. I mean, there, there might be other things like uh, being licensed to provide tax services, which is different than accounting, different than bookkeeping. Some states have that. I know California has that. Uh, so that's a different story altogether. Or specifically when it comes to uh, bookkeeping, other than the AIPB that I mentioned earlier, there's other uh, sort of organizations called, you know, National Organization of Certified Bookkeepers or whatever. And those are going to be sort of the competition to the AIPB. You can look into those too. Um, again, uh, anything that forces you to study and learn and then to take a test and then to prove that you learned that stuff that's going to be net valuable. The big, the big challenge is, especially when you're spending a couple thousand dollars in these programs, uh, the big challenge is uh, you know, whether these things are going to be nationally recognized. Now, a private company like Intuit, the makers of QuickBooks, they have a bookkeeper certification program. It's a professional bookkeeper certification program. Again, I'll put links to all this stuff um, in, the, in the description just to make sure that we're, we're clear with that. But if you go through um, Intuit certification program, this, it's not going to be about QuickBooks, if, even though Intuit is a maker of QuickBooks. It's a, it's a fundamental uh, uh, a course on bookkeeping, and they have an accompanying course in Coursera. So you could take the course in Coursera and then take the certification independently from Certiport, which is the, the, the body that, that, that does, administers the test. So you can take the course on one side, which is basically just reading stuff, and then take the exam on this other side, and then you get this Intuit professional certification. Um, uh, and uh, maybe it's not nationally recognized, but Intuit as a company uh, has done a really good job marketing themselves. 
And uh, when people start recognizing, oh, you have a certification from Intuit, they might associate you with QuickBooks. Um, and that could have a positive association. In some cases, it could be negative. I could totally see that as well. Uh, but for example, Microsoft does certifications, not in accounting or bookkeeping, but in like systems engineering and that sort of thing. Google does certifications. Facebook does certifications. So it's come to a point where uh, private companies with a brand, a certification from them might be worth more than a certification from some random nonprofit organization or even from a state licensure or a major university because these brands create the products or the, the systems, the software that essentially the candidate is going to be using day to day when they do get a job and when they get hired to do a particular uh, uh, task or, or, or work. So as an employer, I probably am going to value more getting a certification on the software or on the or or a certification made by the company that develops the software that they're going to be using. So that's why I like the Intuit certification, mostly because of branding, not so much because of education. Again, we talked about education earlier. I think I like the uh, traditional university, you know, whether it's a four-year or one, two-year program for foundations and accounting. I'm still bullish on that, and and I think you could you could learn a lot of stuff sort of on your own. But that into a certification I like quite a bit. And then sort of tangential to this, if you're going to be using QuickBooks as the software to do bookkeeping, then you definitely want to get a QuickBooks certification. Now, with QuickBooks certifications, it's it's interesting. Um, You can get something called an Intuit Certified User Certification, which uh, it's also self-study. There's no like real formal course in that. Um, You can watch some of my videos on YouTube. You can watch, you know, anybody's QuickBooks online uh, tutorials or courses, but then you still sort of have to take uh, the test. And there's no formal like book to, to, to read for the certified, for the Intuit certified, sorry, for the QuickBooks certified user uh, certification. There's no, there's no like actual book to read. Uh, they, uh, some authors create actual books that are mapped to the test. And I'll put links to that. And most of these books are sort of college style. Uh, they're, they're like big $100 books and they're sold to colleges. So you could study from that and take the test. But again, there's not a single official sort of study guide for the QuickBooks certified user test. Now, what's nice about that one is you just take the test. It's like $150. You go you go through a report. Again, I'll put a link to that in the description. So you take, you take the test. Uh, you can take it as many times as you want. It's like 50 questions. It's an hour. And then you have your certification, your QuickBooks certified uh, user. Now, does, does that mean uh, more than you being an accountant? Yeah, maybe. It means to the person that's going to give you a job, essentially, um, it could or it could not. Or, you know, depends on really how the other the people that are paying you uh, feel about these type of certifications. Now, if you are going to be using QuickBooks to manage multiple uh, clients and your focus is going to be working with QuickBooks, you probably want to look at a program called the QuickBooks Pro Advisor program, which is actually currently being offered for free for people that are using QuickBooks online. Now, I don't know if that's going to be free forever. I mean, it's been free for a very long time for the online version. So you can look into that. Uh, you go to proadvisor.intuit.com. Again, I'll put links in the description to that. And that one's going to have built in into the program 
a bunch of self-study courses you can take on bookkeeping, on payroll, on QuickBooks, and then you can take the test right there online. It's not proctor test. It's all sort of like on your own. You take the test uh, and then you get the certification immediately. It tells you, hey, you passed. Here's your certification. And what's nice about it is then you can create your profile, make it public. And then if anybody wants to search whether or not you have this QuickBooks um, Pro Advisor credential, they can. And you can prove to people by just going into that website um, where you are listed as a, as, a, uh, as a Pro Advisor. It's the find an accountant website that Intuit has. So I think that's probably the first one-two punch approach when it comes to education and certifications. If you're going to be working mostly with QuickBooks, it's getting that Intuit Professional Bookkeeper certification and getting the uh, QuickBooks Pro Advisor certification. You get these two things. They're relatively inexpensive. Um, uh, the 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 Intuit certified bookkeeper certification, you have to take a proctor test. It's like 100 to $200. The Pro Advisor is uh, free, 100% free if it's only for QuickBooks online. QuickBooks desktop has a, has a larger price tag. Um, so it's, it's relatively inexpensive and a lot of this stuff is going to be self-study. Like you're not going to go into a classroom that's going to teach you this stuff. For the most part, you know, for classroom-based stuff, you're going to have to go traditional education. So this is my recommendation for education certification. Again, I'll put links to the description uh, below. Okay, let's move on to your personality or mindset. If you're going to get into the bookkeeping profession because you think you're going to make a lot of money, and I'm not saying that you won't, I'm not saying that, but if you're doing if you're doing it purely because you're chasing the profits or the higher pay or whatever, I would tell you, you might you might have a, a, a bad time. And, and the reason for that is because to be a bookkeeper, you need to have a very specific personality. Uh, the first sort of trait you need to have is you, you got to be patient. Okay, Like things happen pretty much uh, pretty slow, even though you might be having a bunch of paperwork on top of you. Just things happen slowly. Just, um, you know, there's a maximum amount of transactions that a business could uh, run in a day. And then once you're done uh, doing that, there might be nothing else to do when it comes to actual booking things in the system. Uh, or it, it could be the opposite. It could be that, you know, that you get a job as a bookkeeper and they give you a whole bunch of other tasks and bookkeeping becomes sort of like only 10 or 20% of the day. That's going to make it much harder to sort of uh, catch up. But what I mean by things uh, move slow is that it, different than in the world of sales or in the world of you know, operations where you're sort of day-to-day, uh, most of the times as a bookkeeper, you're just sitting on a desk. You're sitting on a desk, you're, you're doing stuff on the computer, you're doing things on spreadsheets. There isn't uh, like sort of a lot of action <laughs> happening. Uh, there's a lot of sort of tedious work, a lot of organizing paperwork, a lot of printing and a lot of scanning. So you kind of have to have a personality for that. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're 100% introvert, that's the only way you could be successful. Um, some, of the, some of the most successful bookkeepers I have met um, on top of just being good at just entering information in the, in the system and, and being very uh, methodical and, and detail-oriented, uh, some of these people are, are total extroverts. And, they, and the reason why they succeed is because they want to have conversations about the numbers, about the books, about the financials, about the trends with uh, the owners of the business or with the managers of the business. And they can connect uh, the work that they're doing with sort of real life events. And that's more of a sort of an extrovert uh, personality. And, and 
the vast majority of bookkeepers are not going to be extroverts. But the ones that can both sort of like switch it on and off, they can be introverts, concentrated, doing the work, you know, sort of heads down, do the work, do it accurately, do it correctly. And then, you know, switch over to like, hey, let's talk about the numbers. Let's let's discuss what's going on. Like those people are going to be the most uh, the most successful. Um, so that's a really important thing to have. Uh, the other piece of, of, of the mindset is sometimes you got to take these things with a grain of salt. Like a, as a bookkeeper working in a business and let's say you're, you, don't, you don't have any stock, any shares in that business. Sometimes the business owners behave how they want to behave. They spend money in random things. They spend money in personal stuff. I mean, they, they, they I don't want to say misappropriate, but they misuse business funds um, for their personal endeavors. And as a bookkeeper, you can get frustrated really, really quickly because you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to book everything in the business. You're trying to like avoid putting personal stuff. But sometimes you got to just ask the business owner or the or the, the the holder of the credit card or the or the debit card or the one that actually you know writes the checks or whatever and say, hey, what is the category for this? Is this business? Is this personal? Um, what was this used for? You have to use the best of your judgment to put it into a category in, in, in the accounting and then not take these things uh, too personal sometimes because sometimes it's just, it is what it is. Um, as a bookkeeper, you're not like signing financial statements. You're not like verifying or certifying that every single line item in there has been, uh, is a hundred percent correct. You know, as a bookkeeper, you, you rely on the information given to you by the people that manage and control the money. Now, if you also are the bookkeeper and you hold the checkbook and you have the debit card and you have the credit card and you own the business, okay, then a lot of the stuff is, it goes back on you. That needs to be done correctly. And this is where a lot of business owners seek out a external bookkeeper, sort of a third party, whether it's a, a contractor that comes in once a week or twice a week or a bookkeeping business to sort of like keep them honest and double check the work and make sure there's a sort of second set of eyes uh, looking at it. And this is where the opportunity for bookkeepers are. Like most bookkeepers will start working for a company uh, as an employee and sort of learning how to run the books for that specific company. Then they'll probably evolve working for an accounting firm where they have multiple companies that they manage, but they do it as an, sort of an external bookkeeper. And then eventually they become partners in the in the accounting firm or they go on their own and start their own bookkeeping business. That's sort of like the natural progression of like the very talented bookkeepers and accountants that end up like me having their their own business. Now I never worked for somebody else. I personally never worked for somebody else. I started my business from zero. So we'll we'll go back and discuss that. But I just wanted to uh, throw um, throw that in there. Okay, let's talk about uh, how to make a living in this. Uh, it's a perfect segue. How to how to make a living in this industry? Well, first of all, you know, after you get, let's just say. Uh, Intuit certification uh, to be a professional bookkeeper or the AIPB's certified bookkeeper, or you do a one, two year, you know, sort of like college, community college, technical degree in accounting, like whichever educational path you take. And then maybe you get certified in one of the software companies. You get certified in QuickBooks or in Sage or in Xero or NetSuite. Like it doesn't really matter. Like you want to get certified in the software you eventually going to use. So you have this formal education, you have this uh, certification. So you could you could you could go my path and just like start a business and say, hey, Hector Garcia Bookkeeping Businesses, uh, uh, Garcia Bookkeeping Express, um, and then just kind of hang your shingle and start marketing and see what businesses uh, would hire for your services. 
that's one one path. Um, and we'll go back to that in a second. But the other natural path is to get some experience under you. Now, if you have zero experience, you did get your certifications or whatever, you have zero experience, it would help a lot if you do a couple of like full bookkeeping cycles, you know, maybe a whole month or a whole year for at least two or three different companies with different industries. So you can get multiple points of view, but it would particularly help if you do it well. Somebody that's a professional that knows what they're doing, they're watching you. Now, uh, experienced people, they're not just hanging around waiting for you to call them and say, hey, can you watch me work for a couple of weeks or a couple of months to kind of you know, show me or mentor me through it? They're not going to be just there hanging around. So the only possible way I could think of is to, to actually get a job uh, in a company that has a, sort of a senior that could teach you. Uh, or an accounting firm that will have somebody with experience that will teach you. And somehow they will hire you with no experience, right? So it's like a chicken and egg situation. And if you can't find uh, an entry-level job that, that, that will put you in that position, because you absolutely have to go through that first, if you can't find it, then offer yourself up as an intern. Because sometimes you might need to work even for free, you know, for two, three months, maybe six months, maybe a year, for you to really learn the ropes under somebody else. And most employers, like in my firm, I, w- I wouldn't hire somebody with zero experience. It's just too much work to train them. Now, I could, I could bring them in as an intern, no problem. They could come into my office in Miami. You know, if I like them, if they're a good potential employee, I put them under one of our experienced people. And then a few months later, we'll decide if, if, it's a good, uh, uh, it's a, if, if there's good reasons to hire that person. That's the type of thing I would do. But I wouldn't hire somebody with zero experience just it's just just too much work for me as an employer to put a really good, useful resource that I already spent you know years training to then train somebody new that I might not even know if they're going to stay or not. So that's the challenge, uh, really, when it comes to just getting started. Um, so you might need to take a, a, say a lower-paying job immediately off the bat, which is part of my, your mindset, too. You kind of have to be ready for that or potentially take an internship so you can learn. Uh, the ropes. Now, once you get a job uh, as a bookkeeper, uh, let's say in a private company, then you will start as a bookkeeper. So just basically all the data entry, putting stuff in there. And then you would have to evolve to something like a, like a controller. Okay, Like a controller would be a, a bookkeeper with responsibility. So it's a bookkeeper that also has to um, deliver any sort of result. So the result could be safeguarding company assets by, you know, make sure you create a good system in place for collecting documents, entering the information, verifying that the expense is correct, verifying that there's no like fraudulent transactions coming out the back door. You know, keep the business owners and the business managers in check. That would be a, like a controller type of position. So we started from bookkeeper, then we go to controller. Then once you do uh, um, a really good job as being a controller, your next step would be to become the assistant to the CFO or vice president of finance or something like that, uh, something right below the CFO, where you actually are helping with not just doing the accounting stuff, but thinking about finance in general. Like how does the company go out there and get financing? How does their financing decisions, like getting a loan or issuing equity, bringing investors in, that sort of thing, how does that affect the cash flow of the business moving forward? That you will be involved in that sort of decision-making and you would be probably creating some financial projections like you would be working in a much higher level uh, than just doing the manual entry of bookkeeping work and then you would be working alongside the controller to make sure the work is correct or alongside the bookkeeper to make sure the the underlying documents that are being used 
uh, and every transaction is being recorded in the system, you'll be supervising the quality of the accounting work per se. And then sort of the ultimate place to be in a private company would be to be the actual CFO that makes all forward-looking decisions, uh, talks to the CEO directly and tells uh, him and her, hey, this, are, this is how we're going to allocate this resource, you know, and your word is final. And then you have the responsibility to make sure that uh, the company is successful financially. So we go bookkeeper, controller, you know, VP of finance or, or assistant uh, CFO, and then CFO. So that's kind of like your, the, trajectory, the, the trajectory you could take if you work for a private company. Now, if you go work for an accounting firm, you might start as a junior bookkeeper or a junior accountant. And basically, your job is to fetch documents. So go talk to the client and go find out you know, if uh, one of the bank statements is missing. Go get all the receipts and make sure the receipts uh, match uh, the bank statements. It's just kind of like just organize all the documents, gather all the information. At that level, you're probably also entering information in the system. So you're going into QuickBooks or whatever accounting system and you're loading all the transactions. You're categorizing those transactions. You're attaching or uploading uh, receipts or documents to that system. So you're basically creating all the sort of core work for the sort of like the senior accountants uh, that, that come next. So after you're done being a junior bookkeeper, or junior accountant, that you'll have more like a senior or supervisory level where maybe other people do the work, but then your job is to make sure it's accurate. So you're verifying somebody else's work. You're verifying that the stuff is being categorized correctly. You're, ver- you're sort of semi-auditing. It's like an internal audit to make sure everything is complete. Uh, you are looking at financial statements. You're looking at profit and loss and balance sheet. And at this point, you're applying um, accounting concepts. It's like, hey, is this stuff being accrued correctly? Are these expenses being deferred correctly? Are these assets being um, amortized or depreciated or whatever? Like you start you know, kind of applying the higher level accounting knowledge that you, that's the stuff that you, that you, that you learn in college. So you start uh, applying to that and you're the one giving the financial statements to someone that's uh, directly dealing with uh, the client or, or in some cases, a senior type of accountant will be giving the financial statements to the clients and in some cases presenting it and explaining to them um, what happened. So that's kind of the progression of that, sort of a junior bookkeeper, junior accountant, senior bookkeeper, senior accountant, and then uh, maybe you move into like a supervisor and maybe sort of close to partner uh, consulting role in the firm where you are now like sort of giving advice to the to the clients, to the small business owners on like what to do about your finances. Like what do these numbers mean uh, when it comes to maybe tax planning? You know, are you doing things correctly? How is this going to affect your taxes at the end of the year? So you're at, that, at this more consulting partner, sort of direct client advisory um, uh, services. And then finally, after that, then you become an actual firm partner, which doesn't do that much <laughs> that uh, basically make sure that it, that everybody under that does the right job make sure the jobs are being priced correctly make sure that the employees are being paid what they're worth you know you're more dealing with you know uh, uh, training and retention of your talent and, and and retention of your clients and strategically thinking you know how, how the firm is going to go out and get more clients higher value type clients so that would be sort of the, the progression if you work for an accounting firm, small or large, either way. And then we have the other option, which is like, don't work for anyone or or evolve from one of these options and start your own bookkeeping firm. And this is uh, what I've done. This is what I did from from the very beginning. And and there's some pros and cons to this. So one of the the biggest con is that 
uh, it's it's a pretty lonely journey, especially if you're on your own without a partner or an employee. So a lot of stuff falls in your plate because you're you're running the business. You're also helping your clients run uh, run a business. You're marketing uh, your business. You're making sure you're pricing your your work correctly. You're trying to like you know appease a lot of these clients that are asking you for discounts. I mean, like running a bookkeeping firm, it's going to be a lot of work. But the nice thing about this is you have the most amount of control over your schedule. Now, when I say control over your schedule, doesn't mean you can take off at any time. It just sort of means that you get to choose at uh, what time you can work. And in today's world, especially with you know cloud accounting like QuickBooks Online, you like you don't have to work nine to five. You can work at five o'clock in the morning. You can work at twelve o'clock at night. Uh, I mean, you could you could choose when you want to work. You got to put in the work. You got to choose when you want to work because a lot of the work is asynchronous. It's it's sort of like you know it's cloud based. We can connect. To our clients' files at any time, you know, with QuickBooks Online, that's great. Um, so, so that's a nice part about having your own bookkeeping firm. But you're gonna have to uh, market and and get uh, and get clients on your own. The biggest tip I can give you uh, to have a successful bookkeeping firm will be one: if you have somebody that you love and trust immediately, um, open it with a partner. Now, partnerships are tough, I know. But it would be nice for like one of you to specialize in one area. So maybe one of you specializes on like just bookkeeping and bank reconciliation and putting together financial statements. And the other person focuses on you know training the client on integrating systems like having you know your QuickBooks or Zero connect with other applications to to um, bring the data in and automate some of the data entry. That type of stuff. It, it's really really useful because then you have like two people each kind of focusing on the area that they do best it also works if you're going to do tax bookkeeping and tax for one person to sort of be the tax person and one person to be the bookkeeping and accounting person and what's nice about the partnership is you know anytime you have a big decision to make on the business you can sort of run the idea by somebody else so it's definitely a less less um lonely uh, uh journey per se the challenge with that is obviously it's a partnership. So who's doing more work? Like who should get paid more? That stuff gets really tricky. Um, I, I should probably make an entire different video about like how to have a successful partnership because I did have I do have a partnership. I still have two partners in my business. I started from with no partners and then I added partners so I can you know maybe I could, we could discuss like you know some like my journey when it comes to that. But uh, but I think everything is better with partners for sure. I mean it's just it's just more fun. Uh, when you go to accounting conferences, you go with your partner or your partners, and you afterwards you discuss, hey, what did you see? You know, what did I learn? You know, kind of merge the ideas together. I mean, you you feel you cover more territory when it comes to just staying educated and learning new things uh, when you have multiple stakeholders in that bookkeeping practice. So I like that a lot. So the second tip I can give you about running your bookkeeping practice is to try to specialize. Like, don't don't try to be everything for everyone. Don't try to like take every single type of client. Now, you, at the beginning, you might need to. Like, I, that's how I did it. I had I had a doctor and I had a, a technology company and I had a wholesaler and I had a manufacturer and I had a retail store. I mean, like I had everything, a little bit of everything, a, a church. We had a million things um, that we were dealing with and it, it got tough. But what's nice about starting with doing a lot of stuff is you get to start seeing the different ways these companies do accounting and the different rules that apply to them. And you get to kind of choose what kind of business you like working for the best. But the idea is to quickly pick a particular type of uh, client, whether it's going to be you know, retail clients or maybe more specific restaurant clients, or it's going to be 
doctors or more specific dentists or it's going to be lawyers or more specific real estate lawyers. Like you, you kind of pick a, an industry and then you go into a micro specialty in the industry. And even though it feels that the, the, the marketing of the options get smaller, and it does, I mean, there's less potential customers, the more niche, the more specialized you go. But what's nice about them is those more niche customers are willing to pay more for uh, specialized knowledge, right? Like a, 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 an attorney, for example, that does uh, real estate, okay? That's different than an attorney that does um, personal injury, okay? And the way the accounting works works different. Like with, with personal injury, uh, you know, you don't get paid up front. You get paid if they win the case or not. But then you have to accumulate and keep track of all the expenses that you've been um, keeping sort of uh, making for the case. So at the end, you can know exactly what you're going to charge you know, the case and that sort of thing. So that's much different than like a real estate deal where a whole bunch of money comes in and out and it has to do with the closing of a piece of real estate. So uh, the attorney itself deeply, deeply appreciates when you don't have to do the work over and over or ask a whole bunch of extra questions because you know and understand the context of how this company manages money. And that particular attorney is willing to pay more for someone that won't, won't waste that attorney's time because they've been there, done that. So I think specializing on a particular industry is particularly valuable uh, when it comes to when it comes to um, running your own bookkeeping firm. Now let's talk about artificial intelligence. And if I had done this video last year, <laughs> I would not even have mentioned uh, this particular topic. But uh, this year, this is like on everybody's top of mind. It is a thing, and it's starting to kind of show his head and starting to give us a, a preview of the future to come, especially to for us bookkeepers and accountants. So artificial intelligence has proven that a lot of the tedious work that we've done over the years as accountants and bookkeepers, stuff like having transactions that come from the bank and categorize them into, into your accounting system, Artificial intelligence won't get that 100% right, but it could probably get to about 90%. And, uh, and you do need that 10% of human um, interaction. So it's not going to replace accountants, but it's going to fundamentally change how uh, customers think about the role of accountants and what accountants used to think was the value of the work, which is all the inputs, like all the all, all the putting stuff into the accounting system, which was the stuff that took the most amount of time, we thought as accountants and bookkeepers, that's the, that was the most valuable thing for our customer. And I think that little by little, as artificial intelligence shows up, maybe not in accounting, but in other applications, in, the, in your phone app, in your software that you use for something other than accounting, as, you, as users start seeing artificial intelligence take away some of the tedious part of the work, they're going to come back to professional bookkeepers and accountants and go, hey, the software you're using or the software you could be using can do 90% of this stuff. So does that mean you should only be charging me 10% of what you used to be charging me? Or what will you do with the 90% that gets automated by AI? And what will you do in exchange? And how would you provide more value to us moving forward so we can continue paying whatever, whatever you're worth? That conversation really has never really happened uh, in the past 10 or 15 years, even though there's been some semblance of artificial intelligence and automation in some of these tools. 
but I strongly believe, I deeply believe that in the next couple of years, it's going to change people's point of view, especially the consumer, the customer, the, our boss or our customers, if we have our own business, they're going to have that perspective and they're going to be asking you, hey, what are you doing with artificial intelligence? How is artificial intelligence helping you? And what is the part that you, the human, bring value into the equation? I think small business owners, entrepreneurs, like our clients, our bosses, whatever angle we're going to have as a bookkeeper, they're going to value the the human part. You know, um, th- There's going to be so many things automated by artificial intelligence that, uh, that there will be sort of be a mini backslash uh, where uh, a backlash where humans will start giving a lot more value and attention to like when another human is involved, just because all aspects of their life is being run by artificial intelligence. So they're going to get really excited when, hey, a person with you know skin and bones is actually doing this. Um, so the impact that we can have or that we're going to have when we're involved, like so the part that's not being automated needs to be much higher, needs to be a much higher level. People are going to have a real high expectation for that experience with that other human being when again when they when they're so used to everything else being automated that we might need to change um, sort of our ethos from being a a highly efficient uh, data entry machine as bookkeepers to being a highly effective uh, relationship person that happens to be an accountant that happens to have accounting knowledge that happens to have accounting experience that happens to understand how to do the accounting work manually even though the computers can do it i think about medicine for example i think that at some point in the near future uh we're gonna uh, uh, put all of our ailments you know what hurts what happened our medical history into a computer into an ai and the ai will give us the first five possible diagnoses and that would be like 90% of the work. And then the doctor will come in and just kind of like look at what the AI did, but then do their part, look at the human, but then aid it with AI will make even a better diagnosis than they would have if they hadn't used AI to sort of help take the first step forward. And and, and I say, I specifically use that example because the part that we almost never as human beings want to outsource to a computer, which is... Uh, talking to somebody else about how you feel, right? Because a computer doesn't have empathy, doesn't understand what feelings are. Uh, Your computers are just going to mathematically diagnose and mathematically prescribe something that doesn't take into account your feelings, you know, as a human. Like, so you want to talk to another human that understands human feelings that computers can't about how you feel so that other human can be um, humanizing, for lack of a better term. Uh, They can be compassionate. They can be empathetic and give you the type of diagnosis and prescription um, that, that matches what another human being would do. Um, you know, like you don't have a pain on your body and think, what would a computer do, right? Like what does another human being, you know, with a similar pain that has found a solution to this before, what would they do? That's what we think. So uh, coming back to accounting and bookkeeping, the, the, that part of the, the human element uh, is going to have a lot more value, uh, but it might be shortened because, again, the, the the general expectation of customers, even though they want the human element, is that the human really only needs to be involved in 10% of the part and the other 90% needs to be automated. And, and there will be economic pressures for that. So like there would be 
um, like the pricing of your services, if it's just like data entry and, and classifying transactions into, into a set of books without talking to the client, without doing any interactions, that's going to be potentially 10% of what we're charging now because that's going to be the amount of uh, involvement that we're going to have. Now, even though that 10% might just be sort of 10% again, but it could be 99% of the value. So the, the, we're going to have a bit of an offset when it comes to customer expectations in terms of like how much effort we're putting as humans, but like how valuable that small effort is in compared to like the stuff that was automated. So we're going to have to do um, a good PR job, a marketing job as an industry to make sure that, that, that uh, small business owners, that customers uh, value our interaction uh, a lot more than they used to before per hour, right? So like value, value our even though we're going to have smaller interactions with the customer, give it the same value, even though it's shorter. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And, and we're going to have to educate people that, hey, it has nothing to do with the effort. It has to do with, you know, the impact that you can make in that short amount of time. You know, I think about like a TV shows like House, like if you see House MD, you know, you have all these doctors scrambling to, to come up with diagnosis and, um, and they spend tons of time and tons of resources. And then Dr. House comes in and looks at the person and looks at it from a whole different point of view that none of the other doctors could have seen. And based on that unique point of view, that person was able to come up with the right diagnosis. It, sometimes it's riskier. Sometimes um, it wasn't so obvious. But that might be where the ultimate value is, is our ability to discern, to use that human, that instinctual part of ourselves to uh, come up with solutions and suggest solutions to our customers. So that's where I strongly believe um, we're going to be in comparison to, to AI and, um, and we're going to have to coexist. But within that framework, we just have to learn and understand uh, what that sort of partnership looks like. Okay, let me talk about my journey as I alluded to earlier in the video. So maybe... Um, something about my journey you can connect with and, and draw some similarities to maybe how, how, how you starting to think about your journey. So basically what drove me to start my, my bookkeeping business originally was uh, the need for my wife who had just given birth to my daughter to be able to do work from home. Okay. And for, for whatever reason, I did research into tons of uh, options of, you know, type of jobs that, that she could have so she could work from home while we raise our, our, our first kid. Um, and bookkeeping came up. Remote bookkeeping came up as an option. And this is, this is before QuickBooks Online even existed. This is like um, working with desktop accounting software and logging in remotely into people's computers and kind of help them collaborative do their bookkeeping. That's, that's what our business was 15 years ago. Like we found a couple of clients and we charge them a fixed monthly fee to log in and help them with their books. Uh, for some clients, we were charging by the hour. So whatever time we spend, we send them a, a bill after. And that's how we did it. I've, I've, um, I sent postcards to every brand new business that was created in my city where I live uh, around end of December and beginning of January. And the postcard said something like, um, are you are you tired of having messy QuickBooks or do you want to start a fresh new year with accurate QuickBooks? Work with us. And basically, I leveraged the QuickBooks brand because it was still, uh, I mean, it was back then, it was a very popular software and here is even, now it's even more popular. But um, so I basically 
got certified in QuickBooks. I became a QuickBooks certified QuickBooks Pro advisor. And that was my very first journey, educational journey at all. Like I didn't get an accounting degree. I didn't get a bookkeeping certification. I, the only certification I got is I became a QuickBooks Pro advisor. This was specialized in desktop. This had a fee back then. Now the online QuickBooks Pro advisor is free, as I mentioned earlier. And that's it. I hung my shingle by being a QuickBooks consultant. And that's how I got uh, my client. So little by little, I started adding uh, monthly bookkeeping services. I started adding tax. I started adding payroll, sales tax support. Like I started, you know, getting more educated on tax uh, related matters. I went back to school and got a master's in taxation. Um, I studied for the CPA exam and, and I passed it. I did have uh, a formal education in accounting in terms of um, I got a a, a graduate certificate in accounting. Basically, I already had a marketing degree, but I went back to school for a whole year and I got the equivalent of an accounting degree in one year um, for people that already had a regular degree. So you might want to check if uh, if your local college has something like that. You might already have a four-year degree in something else and then there might be sort of a fast track to get the equivalent of a formal four-year accounting degree. And I did that um, while I started my business because I realized that there was a lot of basic accounting stuff like amortization, depreciation that I still didn't really understand really well. And without going through the formal education, it was a challenge for me. Uh, going back, uh, if I hadn't gotten that certification, I probably would have gotten the certified bookkeeping certification from the AIPB um, that I mentioned earlier during the um, education and certification portion. So, uh, I did that, and then somewhere in the middle of that path, I, I became a CPA, and then obviously that helped me market myself as, a, as an expert in all things accounting, tax, audit, whatever, and that and obviously helped quite a bit. However, even though I became a CPA, I haven't done any actual CPA work per se, other than tax returns. Uh, my business is still a core bookkeeping business, and we, we still have uh, the people in our in our team do perform core bookkeeping. Now, we only do uh, QuickBooks online work, and we take new clients all the time, and we work with clients that want to collaborate, where they do some of the stuff in QuickBooks, and we do some of the stuff, and we continue to do collaborative, um, remote-based bookkeeping. So the original intent of my business um, was for you know just my wife to be able to work remotely, but now I work remotely. A lot of my clients work with their clients remotely from the perspective that the clients are somewhere else in the United States or the world. And we all work remotely. Like no one like physically goes into a client's office to do the, to do the bookkeeping work. And in some days, um, some of our employees work from home and they work remotely, you know, with QuickBooks. So there's like really no sort of like physical, I have to go to a business or to an office um, in order to have to do the work and to do it correctly and accurately. And all that stuff. So, so nowadays, my bookkeeping business can have clients all over the world because of that. And we only use QuickBooks Online, um, so that helps uh, quite a bit. Uh, now, we do have um, another arm of our business that does uh, QuickBooks desktop training only. Like we we no longer do desktop bookkeeping just because it's just very clunky to log in remotely into somebody else's computer to do the work and sort of um, interfere in the day to day work. Like we only work with QuickBooks Online for like monthly bookkeeping engagements. But since I'm an expert in QuickBooks desktop, I've been uh, for a long time and my, my two partners are, uh, sometimes people are using their own QuickBooks desktop. They have inventory or 
construction companies and they want to manage their books internally, they hire us to train them on how to how to do their own books internally. So at this point, I have evolved my business into like both a sort of bookkeeping practice, cloud remote, QuickBooks online bookkeeping practice, and also uh, QuickBooks desktop consulting. And it's been quite lucrative. It's been quite um, quite successful. And I can tell you that 15 years later, I I don't regret uh, my decision. I think um, I think it was I don't want to call it a wise decision because back then I didn't know what to expect. But it was a it it was a, it has been a great career to be in, and I strongly recommend. That if you are considering it and you have that mindset and you've gone through this entire video and conversation and you you connect with the stuff that I'm saying, um, that you could have a, a successful a career too. Now, the most interesting part about my journey is that a year ago, exactly a year ago, I started a software company. And this software company is called uh, Write Tool. And basically, it's an it, it, we developed an add-on to QuickBooks Online. So after using QuickBooks Online, for so long and hating so many aspects of QuickBooks Online that don't work very well, but it's the, the most popular uh, soft accounting software out there. All my clients use QuickBooks Online. I mean, there was no way to escape it. I, I like QuickBooks a lot. I like Intuit, the company that makes QuickBooks a lot. So instead of like going out there and trying to find other accounting software um, that would work better than QuickBooks, because trust me, they really isn't, even though QuickBooks is terrible in many ways, uh, the, competitor, the competitors are even more terrible. Um, so I developed an app to make it make the, the navigation, the look and feel, just make it just feel more cohesive. And, um, and the app has been very, very popular. There's a free version. There's a, there's a pro version for, for accountants. And uh, that could also be part of the journey. The nice thing about uh, accounting and bookkeeping is that accounting and bookkeeping is a fundamental language of business. Like every business needs to have accounting and bookkeeping. But then as you start uh, becoming good at one particular thing, and I became really good at using QuickBooks, you start looking for opportunities somewhere else. So like even today, I, I, would, I, I could gladly sell my bookkeeping practice or stop practicing bookkeeping and concentrate on just the software company. That's possible too. Um, so basically, I guess what I'm trying to say is that uh, along the journey, you don't know where it's going to take you. Like you'll start by doing just bookkeeping for clients in QuickBooks Online for multiple type of industry. And then you'll pick a niche uh, and then you'll start working in that niche. And then inside that niche, you will open you know, more doors and Narnia's closet will open up and you'll see an entire world inside of a particular niche. And you, you, maybe you become an expert at that particular thing. And then maybe you develop your own app to help that particular niche. So like that's just, uh, just a piece of encouragement for you that it's not just like linear like you'll do bookkeeping and then you'll be doing bookkeeping for the rest of your life. You can branch off into into other things. But it is important, it is fundamental that that you're patient and you do everything uh, step by step. So anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed um, this video and this conversation. I'll put links to all the stuff that I described below in the in the show notes, in the description. And I'll see you in the next one.